describe your family? Not, not right now, even, but throughout your life. Uh, give me some words. What, what are some words you'd use to describe your family? What's that? Crazy. Okay. Good. Funny. Funny. A lot of laughter in the Willis household. I believe that. Was that just coming from you, Mrs. Willis, or is that from other people, too? Most of it was from her. Okay. Verbal. Yes. The Norell family. A lot of a lot of words. Yeah. All right. Verbal. Anybody else? Busy. Okay. Busy. Sure. Caring. Good. Loving. Diverse. Got a lot of variety in the Jex family. Yeah. Lots of shades. Okay. Anybody else? See this? What's that? Close. Yeah, okay, close. You know, there are a lot of different words that we could use, a lot of different adjectives we could use to describe our families. And isn't it true, our families, it doesn't always stay the same, does it? Um, you know, there are times in the, during the life of a family where there, it can be, the word close is a great word to use, but sometimes we're talking about our families, uh, sometimes uh, anger could be put in there. Or division, sometimes sometimes joy and happiness, fun. Those words can be used. Other times, argument, argumentative could be there. Um, you know, in a, I, I don't have a bunch of statistics to throw at you tonight, but you know, divorce is is high in America. It's high around the world, really. Certainly high in America. Um, division within families is is normal. I think more and more the case is within a family is uh, even with all the social media that we have that supposedly brings us together, I think families are more and more separated. And I don't know if that's completely true. I can't, I don't have statistics to go back to the 1800s and how separated they were, you know, milking the cows and taking care of the fields and compared to us today. But, but truly, I think one, uh, there are several things that are attacking the families, our families today. And we're not, just because we're Christians, or maybe religious, or well-intending, we're not somehow uh, unaffected by what we're facing today. And as I was thinking about what to challenge us with, or something to think about, for us to think about here tonight, I thought about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's called the love chapter, but if I were to think about what I would want uh, our family to be characterized by. I think it would be love. Um, and, and you'll see why as we go through this chapter. Uh, so the next couple weeks, I'm going to look at characteristics of a godly family, okay? And uh, none of us always have a family that meet these characteristics, but we ought to know uh, what characteristics God wants to see in our family. You know, if we, don't, if we don't have a target to aim at, we're not going to hit it. And if we don't and if we don't even have a target, or we, or we don't know what the target is, or know how to hit the target, we're never going to hit it. So we need to know what the target is, but we also know how, need to know how to hit it. And we'll talk about some of those things here tonight. Let, let's look at our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1, and um, I'll read down for a few verses, and then we'll pray. It says in verse number 1 of 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, and that word is... It's a word for love. I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. 
And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, that'd be a lot of faith, or more than most of us have, right? And have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Charity beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as I also am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. The greatest of these is charity. What is your family characterized by? Not what it, what, what has it been characterized by 10 years ago? Uh, what is your marriage characterized by? And I know I'm talking to some young people here this evening too. We got some teenagers in the room. Uh, and so I'm talking about the family. So it's, I'm not just talking to mom and not just talking to dad, but I'm talking to you too. Um, because you, as a teenager, play an integral role in your family. Very, very important role in your family. Um, God wants us to have families that are characterized by love. Wouldn't that be awesome if our families were characterized by love? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, help us, I pray, as we look at your word tonight. Uh, Father, so many times our families are characterized by being busy, or maybe being stressed out, or fear sometimes. Sometimes there's fighting, disagreements, sometimes anger, so many things. And some are good, some are bad. But Lord, uh, in this life, I pray that you'd help our families to be characterized by love. May our homes be havens where daddies love to come home to, and where mommies love to be. And where our children just find almost a different world, different than this world in which we live, a place that they love. They may not always be able to explain it, why they love it so much, but a place they love. And Father, may they love it so much because it is a place of love. Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the Greeks had several different words for love. They had phileo, which was a brotherly love. They had agape, which is a sacrificial love. That's the word that's used in chapter 13, a sacrificial love. And they had another word, eros, which was an erotic type of love. So they had different words to use and describe different kinds of love. And the the word that's used in chapter 13 is this, this word, agape, that most of us are familiar with. Can anybody tell me what that a word agape, or that word love means for us. What is the word agape in the Greek, or love, like Christ loved us? What does it mean? Anybody tell me? 
selfless. And when it's a selfless type, type of love, it actually causes us to make sacrifices. And so it's a sacrificial love. It's the love that, G, that God showed for you and for me. John 3.16 uses the same word, agape, for God so loved the world that he gave. That's how much he loved us. That he was willing to sacrifice his own son to save our souls from death and hell for all of eternity. That's a lot of love, don't you think? And remember what the Bible tells us about us, that at that point, we were dead in our sins. That we deserved death and hell. We, we hated God. We were rebels against God. So it's one thing for me to, to love someone and make sacrifices for someone who really appreciates me, you know, and compliments me and says, hey, you're just the best thing ever. You know, oh, I'd love to give to that person. But what about the person who doesn't appreciate us? Maybe doesn't like us. Maybe rejects us. And that's who we used to be against God, and God loved us anyway. And that's the kind of love that I see in this passage. Now, look at verse number one. I want to see a little bit of what love is not. Now, this is called a love chapter. The Bible doesn't call it that. But the first three verses tell us what love is not. And I think it's very important that we see this because sometimes we might look at these things in in our families and say, hey, we're a loving family. But, but look at these things. In verse number one, we see that love is not just found in words. Verse one, he says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, so he's a good speaker, and have not charity, if I don't have sacrificial love for other people, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In the open-air markets during this time, in, in the Bible times, uh, they would have, and they, they, they had bazaars, what they called them, and you could buy food and clothing and go shopping, right? Just like we do today. And just like we have music today when we go shopping. Have you ever noticed that? There are certain stores I don't like going into because the music that they play, uh, but almost all stores play some sort of music. And it's intentional. You know why? Sales go up. <laughs> When there's music being played, okay? We feel good, we buy things. Well, it's not a new thing. 2,000 years ago, they were playing music too, but it wasn't coming through the radio or through someone's iPod or iPhone or whatever. It it was coming through, they'd have these like wind chimes or maybe somebody over there strumming away on something. So people would buy, that's what they wanted. Well, here, the Apostle Paul says, if I were to speak with the tongues of men and of angels, I'm a good speaker, but if I don't have sacrificial love for people, I'm just some background noise. Just some background noise. You know, we don't normally pay a lot of attention to the the music that's being played, but it has a lot of effect on us. But he says, you know, I'm just some background noise if I don't have sacrificial love. So, very simply, I just want us to see from that that love is not found in words only. Um. I'm aware that, that there are, we, we, come, we all come from different backgrounds. Some of us grew up in homes where I love you was thrown around a lot. You know, you couldn't hardly pass each other without saying I love you. I don't know if quite anybody quite that dramatic. But I do know that there are others in homes where dad never said I love you. Okay. I've never heard of a mom not saying I love you to her children. But I have heard of dads not saying that. It's, it's good to say it, okay? Be a man, say it, okay? It's okay to say it. But love, true sacrificial love, is not just found in words. It's possible to throw the term I love you around and there not be biblical, Christ-like, sacrificial love. 
Look at verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Wow, that's a lot of knowledge, all of it. And though I have all faith. Isn't a faith, faith a good thing? It pleases God, the Bible tells us. But he says, even though I have all faith so that I could re- remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. I don't have any value. And, and so I notice that love is not found in words. Love is not found in wisdom. Love is not found in knowledge or understanding or education or instruction. Now, as parents, we want to instruct our kids. We, sh- we should instruct our children, right? We ought to. We ought to educate them. There, there are a lot of great things about those. However, true biblical love, God-honoring love, is not found in education or instruction or understanding or knowledge or wisdom. I want my children to grow in those things, but that's not love. That's something different. In verse number three, he tells us that love is not found even in doing or in works. Look at verse three. This is an amazing statement. He says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Have you ever known anybody who's given away everything they have so they can give it to the poor? Have you ever met anybody like that in your life? I've never met anybody like that who gave everything away, like their house, their car, everything, so they could give it to them. that, That would be stunning, wouldn't it? He says, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I'm willing to sacrifice, I'm willing to give my life, he says, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So, verse 1, love is not found in our words. Love is not found in wisdom. Verse 2, and verse 3, love is not found in works. There are some hardworking dads and moms in this room here tonight. And you work hard, you get up early, you, you work late, you put in long hours, and you provide well for your family. It's possible to provide well for our families, but there not be a genuine sacrificial love. You understand that? It's possible to have an organized this or that, perfectly pressed, everything looks immaculate, Our family looks like, wow, the picture-perfect family, but not have love. And I want you to know that this is what the Bible says, these first three verses. Love is not in our words. Love is not found in our knowledge or wisdom. And love is not found in work. So, what is love, then? What does love look like? And he tells us here in this passage, and I'm so glad for it, um, how is love expressed? How, how do you express love? Now, again, I, I'll mention John 3.16. God gives us this beautiful illustration of what love is. For God so loved the world, an unlovely world, an unlovable world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved us that much. And... Uh, you know, it, it is amazing to us that God would love an, a sinful world like that. But you know what? It doesn't impress us, or it doesn't, I should say it this way, it doesn't move us nearly as much knowing that God loved the world as it does knowing that God loves you and that God loves me. How many of us in this room know ourselves pretty well? Like we know our failures. Can you admit that? Yeah, okay. You fail, I fail. You know, what, you know what amazes me about God's love? God loves me. That's what amazes me about 
is love. Now, here's what 1 Corinthians 13 really is all about. It, it had to, Paul was writing to a church, and there was a lot of discord in the church. They weren't loving each other. They were fighting. They were kind of like, who could be the most popular? Who, who could impress the most? And that was within the church. That would not have been the spirit within the church that any of us would want to be a part of, right? But you know what? Sometimes that spirit finds its way into a family. And, and it has no place in the family either if we're trying to please the Lord. So he tells us here what love is. He tells us what love is. Love, and I'll give you four thoughts, love acts, I'll say it this way, love is kind. Love is kind. Uh, in verse number four, he says it this, this way, charity suffereth long. And that, that idea is that he's, it's patient and is kind. And that has the idea of a gentleness of spirit. It, it, does your home, is your home characterized by a gentleness of spirit? How about your marriage relationship? Is there a gentleness of spirit there? There ought to be. There, it, it's Christ-like. It's godly. Now, I know we got some rough and tough and gruff men in this room, and I suppose if you're a man, it's okay to be rough and tough in the right place, right? And maybe even gruff in the right setting. However, you can be a man's man and still be kind. And you ought to be. You ought to be. It's, there's, no, there's really not an excuse for it. Sometimes Cindy will talk to me in the right way, and she'll say, you know what, you could have been more kind to, and she'll name one of the children. Well, you know what, I'm tired of them not obeying their mother. Okay, so hey, that's a great time for dad to come in, you know. I put on this cape, you know, and Superman, and I come flying in. I literally fly, okay, I don't literally fly, and there's no cape. But you know, it's a great time for dad to come in and save the day and, and spare mom and those sort of things from time to time, but you know what? I ought to do it in the right way. Love is kind. Love is, it suffers long. And, and, and the Greek verb here is emphasizing the fact that we're talking about a relationship within a group of believers. And many of us in this room have families, and we've got children who are born again. And we've got our spouses born again. And, and so it says there we're supposed to be patient. That means we're slow to, to get angry. How many of us are slow to get angry? Don't raise your hand. Don't move. Don't move a muscle. We, we're just going to assume all of us are succeeding in this area of our lives. You know, some, some of us do. We succeed very well until certain things happen. Oh, if only those things just wouldn't happen in our lives, right? That's the problem. It's the things that happen in our lives. We'd be perfect without those things. You know, things happen in life. That's just the way life is. And they're going to keep happening in life. So the key is for you and for me to become godly in our homes. To become Christ-like. For Christ love to be seen through us. And so he tells us, charity suffereth long. It's patient. It's kind. There's a gentleness of spirit. You know, when it says it's kind, it, it says that, it's really telling us that love is kind to people. Kindness. You know, as a dad, I, can, I ought to be comforting. There ought to be times where I can, I'm comforting to my children. I'm comforting to my wife. Uh, encouraging. Hey, there's an idea to encourage our families, to encourage our kids. Hey, how about this? Children, teenagers, encouraging their parents. This was, this was cute to me today, but Ian noticed that Cindy, his mom, needed some help, and he really stepped up today. It was almost, 
I don't want to say it was getting bothersome, but, you know, he was like right there. Anything else, Mom? Anything else, Mom? Anything else, Mom? Anything else, Mom? And I wanted to get it on video. Like, I, I actually saw this happen. I can show him, you did this one time. Do it again, you know. But he's what, 12? He's 12, just turned not 12 not that long ago. But, you know, if you're a teenager, especially if you're a teenager, you're 13, 14, 15, 16, you know, you can be encouraging to your parents. And it's not just being an encouragement. It's you being godly and loving your family. Wow. Wow. Hey, this is abnormal. This isn't normal in our world today. Hey, let's be abnormal in this area. Uh, The second thought I'll give you is that love is humble. Love is humble. So love is kind. We see that in verse 4, the beginning part. But then we see that love is actually very, very humble. Look at verse 4, the middle part. It says, charity envieth not. That has the idea of to burn with envy or hatred or anger. Isn't it true, though, that those words have been found in our families before? Anger, hatred, envy. It's sad, but most every family probably has endured those words before. But he says, charity envieth not. It it vaunteth not itself. It's not boastful. It's, it's not puffed up, which means pride or a big head. Uh, doth not behave itself unseemly, which is inappropriate behavior. Seeketh not her own. That selfishness is not easily provoked. That's a sudden eruption of anger. Thinketh no evil, which is not thinking evil thoughts about other people. Arrogant people love themselves and not others. But it says here that love doesn't envy. Charity envieth not. Love, love doesn't envy. It's not jealous of other people. It, it doesn't have to, it doesn't resent when someone else succeeds. It doesn't, it doesn't become bitter. It doesn't hate other people because of their success, their place in life, their looks, their possessions. You know, sometimes even within a home, within a family, there's jealousy from one spouse to the other. Everything's going well for them and their job, but not in mine. They've got it so easy. You don't have to put up with what I have to put up with. And, and I'm just telling you, these sort of thoughts, and there, and there are so many, we could take all night thinking about these things, but these sort of thoughts, I want us all to know, these are ungodly thoughts. They take our families down the wrong path. They're not godly. They're not loving. Now, and I want to tell you something. In 1 John chapter 4, Uh, John tells us two times that God is love. God is sacrificially loving. That is who he is. And so it's really impossible for me to be blown up and to be angry and to be godly at the same time. It's impossible. I can't be following God and following me at the same time. And that's true for me as a, a husband and a father, and it's true for my children, too. And again, talking to children here tonight, you can do this. Don't, don't fall into these things. Uh, so love doesn't envy. Love doesn't brag. I don't have to go into a lot of detail with that, but bragging about it's this attitude. Okay, love, love is not arrogant. Uh, love is not arrogant. Arrogant people don't love. They're not interested in other people's issues. They're not interested in other people's lives. They don't desire to be patient with those people. Uh, be interested in one another in your family. Be interested, husbands, in your wife. 
Wives, be interested in your husbands. Take interest. Put the phone down, okay? Step away from it. Put it down. The game that means nothing, nothing for all of eternity, put it down. You have someone in your life, a, a husband or a wife, who, who means everything to you. It's actually God's gift to you. You can love that person. And, and children, children, teenagers, take interest in your parents. Take interest in your siblings. I have two daughters, and you know them by name. And I, I've encouraged both of them at times. And they're different, okay? Those two are different, okay? They're, they're oppositers, okay? They're different from one another. But you know what I love when they play together? I love when they talk together. They share a room together. We did it on purpose. We found a house where they would share a room together. I want them to learn to love one another. I, I tell them, hey, Tori, I, Olivia should be your best friend. You're going to have a lot of friends come into your life. You're going to have them at school. You're going to have them at church. You're going to have them in college. If you go to college, you know, you're going to have friends the rest of your life. But you know what? God willing, you and Olivia are going to live a long time. You're going to outlive mommy. You're going to outlive daddy. You can be each other's best friends for your whole. You ought to look out for one another. You ought to pray for one another. Isn't that great? That's called love. That's what we're. I'm ta- what I'm talking. What I just described is not worldliness. It's godly. And so, if you're a teenager, you can do that. Love does not behave itself unseemly. He says in verse number five. That means dishonorably. Uh, it means something that's inappropriate. In, in Romans chapter one, it, it uses the same word to talk about homosexuality something that's unseemly. That's the word that God uses to describe it. There's a lot of things in this world that are unseemly. They're, they're readily available on our phones, okay? They're, they're, they're out there. So moms and dads, families, that's the world in which we live, but we need to be on guard against it, okay? It's, it's not love. It's not loving. It's not loving. It's not Christ-like. He says that love does not seek its own. It's not selfish, but it's selfless, and that was a definition that was given here so far tonight. Um, it says that love is not easily provoked. I like that. It's not easily provoked. It, it, and that it has the idea of that uh, there's not a sudden outburst. There's not an explosion. How many, how many of us have experienced, don't raise your hand, but how many of us have experienced an explosion in our families before? Right? No one's moving a muscle. Are you alive? <laughs> Let's check your pulse. Okay, we all have, haven't we? The explosions. You know what? Let, hey, let's let them stop. Now, there's more that, can, that needs to be said about that, I suppose, to be a real help. But know this. They're not loving. They're not loving. They're not godly. They don't honor him. We're a work in progress. Don't leave here tonight being discouraged either, by the way. Oh, our family's a wreck. And don't do that. Okay, you're a work in progress. Our family is a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. So I hope you are too, or I'll feel bad about myself. Okay? But you know what? We're all a work in progress. Love. Let love characterize your family. He says that love forgives. In verse number five, the latter part, it, he says it this way, that love, charity, thinketh no evil. And the word thinketh no evil, they're actually accounting words, and it means that love doesn't keep records. Hmm. Some of us in this room are great at keeping records. Like, you should be an accountant. 
you're just that good. You do it naturally. You don't even have to get paid for it. You're good at keeping records. Be careful with that. You know, God gave you a mind to keep records, but not those ones. Not those ones. And sometimes it really hurts your marriage. Young people, you're keeping records on your parents, and it's going to hurt you. It's hurting your relationship with mom and dad. It's going to hurt you, though. It's going to hurt you. Don't keep records. Forgive. Love is forgiving. God forgave you and me. I wish I could turn to a couple passages, but uh, in Psalm 40 and then in Psalm 130, it talks about how the Lord chooses not to remember. He actually chooses, I'm not going to hold that against you. You know, there are times where as parents we need to discipline our children, and, and sometimes it needs to be in the corporal way, but there are other times where it, doesn't, it shouldn't be. There ought to be times where we extend mercy and say, you know what, and, and this is for you as a mom or dad to pray for discernment and wisdom. You know what, they don't need the corporal punishment right now. They just need a hug and a word of forgiveness and say, you know what, I know what you did was wrong. You and I both know that, but you know what, I'm going to let it go. I'm not overlooking it. It's wrong but I forgive you. There ought to be those times. God does that for you and for me, doesn't he? He does. He does. Use wisdom in that. Um, In verse number six, it says that love is pure. So we've seen that love is kind, love is humble, and love is pure. It rejoiceth not in iniquity. In other words, it's actually saddened by unrighteousness. But rejoiceth in the truth. It joys in the truth. Do you rejoice in iniquity? And I guess I'm talking about gossip. I hope your home is not characterized by gossip. You know what happened? What's going on? Don't do that. Don't don't rejoice in other people's failures. Don't don't do that. That's not loving. That's worldly. It's ungodly. Don't rejoice in iniquity. Love rejoices in the truth. Tell the truth. Be honest. Uh, be a truth talker. Don't don't be a gossip. And then verse seven, as we close. Love is patient. Love is patient. It beareth all things, it says in verse 7. It puts up with the faults of others. And by the way, there are different ways we can put up with one another, isn't there? there can, we can put up with one another, you know, with resentment and disgust. Or we can put up with one another, loving one another. The way God puts up with us. Aren't you glad he puts up? And, th- and this is why I started out saying, you know, it's one thing for us to think about how God so loved the world, and we're in, that, we're in, that amazes us. But what really gets my attention is when I think about who I am, and I think, you know what, God loves me anyway. He, he's known all about me in my life, everything, everything. And he chooses, he chose, and he continues to choose to love me anyway. And you know what? That has a beautiful application to our families. That ought to be happening from dads to their, uh, their, their children and children to their dads and moms to their children and children to their moms and husbands to their wives and wives to their husbands. You see that? We, we, we're we're going to choose to love. Our family is going to be characterized by love. We just are. We want that. It, it puts up with the faults of others. It's not suspicious. It believes the best. It hopes all things, not because we just know our children are just that brilliant, but because we know God is amazing. And he's a miracle-working God, and he has wonderful plans for us that he tells uh, us about in his word, and and he's going to do what he said 
he'll do. So it hopes all things. It endures all things. And the word endureth there in verse number 7 is a military term, and it has the idea of to sustain. Uh, it's, It's a quality that sustains a soldier in the face of violent battle. And if you've been a part of a family for any length of time, you know there are some battles, Not hopefully not within your family that are violent, but just trying to live in this world with this flesh, going through this life with other people, there are going to be some, there's going to be some rocky roads, bumpy roads. You're going to have to sustain. There's going to have to be some endurance. Well, love, the love of God endures. I'm so glad it endures, by the way. I am so glad the love of God is an enduring love. You know what? This is the kind of home I want my children to grow up in. Where these sort of things... I don't go around every day talking about these things with my kids. But I have a goal. And that is when my children are not home, that they look forward to coming home. And when they leave, they're missing something. They're missing something. And they can't find it anywhere else in the world. And it's the love of God. It's the love of God. Now, I can tell you that there's not a halo above 7369 Calkins Road. That's where we live. It's not perfect. But don't you want this for your family? I do. I want this for my family. How many of us can say that our families are characterized by love? Love is sacrificing ourselves to meet the needs of others, our family members, just like God did for us. In John 15, it says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, when I think about that verse, and I think about the family, I think about dads who lay down their lives for their, parents, their, their, their families. I think about moms, especially moms, who lay down their lives for their families. They just give. They give and they give. And, and, and most of our, our children don't line up outside mommy's door in the morning and, and, and wait patiently to say, thank you, mom, for loving us today or last night. or what. It just doesn't happen. But moms just keep giving and giving and giving and sacrificing and sacrificing and setting their lives aside, giving the best years of their lives for their children and their husbands. And there's something incredibly beautiful about that. I want to I close with this thought. How... If God is love, how is it that this kind of love can enter into my home? And I want to give you just a a thought, and it will get you on the road, but it's going to be a lifelong journey, okay? But here's the thought. You need to learn about the one who is love. It's impossible, and 1 Corinthians 13 is a wonderful verse, and you can study it, and you can memorize it, and you can know it intellectually, but it will not become a part of your life and a part of your family until you know the one who is love. So do you know him as your personal Savior? If you do know him as your personal Savior, are you learning more about him? And here's the, here's the, here's the application. As I learn more about the one who is love, who is God, I learn to trust him more. And the more that I trust him, the more I allow him to have his will in my life and in my family. The families that are being torn apart where there is no love, and they wouldn't say it that way, they would say there is a lot of love. But where there is not godly love, sacrificial love, 
are the families that are not trusting God. They don't know him. They've taken their eyes off of him. And they're on the wrong path. And so for those of us, maybe, maybe we've taken our eyes off of the Lord. Maybe we've taken it, we're, we've, we've, we're not knowing who he is. And so we're being overwhelmed with the things of this life. We're struggling, we're, we're worrying, we're fretting, we're trying to handle things our own way. And you know what? Things are getting worse, not better. So what do we need to do? Get back to a basic truth, and that is this. Learn about him. You learn about him in his word. You learn about him getting under his word and hearing it taught and preached. You learn about him. And the more you learn about the one who is loved, the more you trust him. And the more apt you are to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this situation. And guess what? Some of the worries and the fears and the anger starts to melt away. And you become characterized by his love. And our families will never be characterized by love if we are not characterized by the love of God. And I'm telling you this here tonight. I need to grow in this area. I have a lot of room to grow in this area. And you might too. Let's learn about the one who is love. And let's let his love be characterizing our lives. Let's pray.